Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. And thanks to Brett for another bongo gum. He'll be back tomorrow morning, 6 to 9, Monday and Tuesdays here on BFM 999. You're now tuned to Future Sense. Myself, Nick Jeans, and Steve McDonald, you are with us here on BFM. Hopefully you've had your morning coffee or whatever your poison of choice is. I note that uh, coffee was so important in Turkish culture that under 15th century law, a woman had the freedom to divorce her husband if he did not provide her with enough coffee. And you think about that, uh, unfortunately, my girlfriend doesn't drink coffee, so I've just got to provide myself with enough coffee. But I think that's a wonderful thing. Women had the freedom to divorce a husband if you didn't provide her with enough coffee. I guess. Well, maybe the wrong coffee. Perhaps she prefers a long black, for example. Like I do. You prefer latte with sugar. I prefer it straight up, an undiluted, unpolluted cup of black, dark, thick herb. It's got nothing to do with what we're going to be talking about today, though. Not at all. Coffee. Not but at I thought all. I'd throw that in because I came across, I thought it was a wonderful little piece that... Yeah, I think I saw that on a cafe wall somewhere. <laughs> no doubt. In Melbourne, probably. <laughs> Steve McDonald, good morning to you. How are you doing? Good morning, Nick. I'm well. Lovely to see you again, as always. Always. It's always beautiful to see you, uh, as much as one can see anybody. In fact, that's all. <laughs> in fact, uh, in, in some slanted way, which is my way, uh, it's sort of about how we are talking today, about uh, how we see each other, I guess, in one sense. Is we are all so different at this time. We are indeed. We kind of always talk about this in mm. some way, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Now, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, climate change today, not exclusively, but we're going to probably begin with that this morning, and particularly regards to how different layers of, uh, of evolution, of development in terms of Graves' model that we refer to all the time, how uh, people seem to or do respond to the climate change debate, to climate science and the like. Um, and start from there. We've had, um, I'll come back to this for now, but we've had a couple of uh, communications this week regarding some of the things we've been speaking about on this particular topic, and we'll refer to those a little bit and hopefully bring a few more answers and expand that, um, that debate, so to speak, a little bit, if you will. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate, and spiral up. Also, should mention too, and thanks to our good friend, compatriot, and uh, occasional uh, guest on the show, Ross Hill, who has been helping us and doing a lot of work setting up the Future Sense podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can subscribe; they're free, and you can also follow us on Twitter at uh, at 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 Future Sense Show. At, 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 and, and, it's not stuttering, and, folks. <laughs> I do stutter a bit occasionally when I don't know what I'm talking about, which is quite often, really. <laughs> Just trying to make now up something. I know that. <laughs> you know that. You already know that, my friend. Um, now, we've had a couple of... Um, well, first of all, let's, let's look at this. Uh, at the moment, uh, you'd be aware that 2018, last year, was, uh, I think, the third hottest year in Australian history, in record, recorded history. Um, and uh, at the moment, of course, we're in, the, in another bit of a heat wave across the country, 
this week. And meanwhile, across Europe, we've got um, incredible amounts of uh, cold happening, avalanches hitting Swiss hotels, uh, 21 or more people dead in Europe, extreme Arctic snow, minus 33 degrees uh, temperatures. Yeah, I heard on the radio this morning an Australian was killed in an avalanche. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, um, you've also got uh, in Whistler in America. We've just recently had the coldest Thanksgiving in U.S. history, in U.S. recorded history, uh, in November last year. Greece uh, record has plummeted to a record minus twenty-three degrees centigrade as European cold snap sees enormous dumping of snow. And apparently, there's more coming. So you've got these incredible polarities between the expressions of weather on the planet at the moment. Um, number one, so clearly we're in a, a stage of, of climate disruption. We are certainly, and, and we know that complex adaptive systems become chaotic when they go through major change, and, and uh, it looks like that's what we're seeing here. Yeah. Now, we've had a couple of uh, communications from listeners to this show, and thanks to those who did, who have uh, taken a bit of a, a look and even, if I, if I may put it gently, a swipe at us, for some of the things we've been talking about uh, with the, the idea of a, a possible mini ice age and the cooling of the planet rather than the heating of the planet. And I want to preface this immediately by what we've often claimed on here, and this has got nothing to do with the coal industry, the coal and uh, all fossil fuel industry, which we totally support the, the swift demise of and the replacement with, <laughs> with new renewable, sustainable technology. So it actually has nothing to do with that debate. That sort of that that you could argue possibly is a closed debate. We do need to shift from those uh, fuel sources. However, climate itself, climate change itself, is uh, as you said a complex adaptive system. The climate in the, on this planet, and the response to it um, is different depending on where you are and who you are. And um, and what information you take in and give weight to and the like. That's right, yeah. I mean, to just talk about complex adaptive systems uh, on their own for a short moment, mm. um, natural systems are complex adaptive systems in, in that they are open to receiving information from their environment, their surrounds, and they are able to adapt to those changes mm. by in, through internal changes to their own operation. Yeah. And um, and that's not a linear process, is it? It's, a, it's not a linear process. Yeah. It's a cyclic process, yeah. and and even it's even spiraling. You know, much as we now know that our solar system spirals through our galaxy, it doesn't travel in a straight line. Uh, all of these different changes that we talk about, and particularly in complex adaptive systems, are generally cyclic, and and each cycle, each, each subsequent cycle is never exactly the same. Each subsequent cycle is, is always yeah. different in some way to the previous cycle. Mm. So in effect, it's a spiralling movement which mm. has a direction. Because there's always more information that's coming into the equation, isn't there? Which, which, that's uh, right. Enhance, the which, system which... itself is never never the same from one cycle to the next, just yeah. as we are not yeah. the same. You know, As the years tick over, we're not the same person Indeed. we were last year. Now, you, you're... Uh, you're your, well, you, I wouldn't call it a position, but certainly uh, your offering in terms of your own research into this area has proposed on this show, and you, you strongly state this, which is which is great, that this complex adaptive system uh, theory, uh, when applied to 
climate change on this planet means that um, the science is not closed. And there is some people who, on the uh, on the strong sort of global warming, I should point out too, probably you've noticed, folks, that the term global warming is less in use now and the term climate change is much more in use, and that's pretty sensible for a start, I, I think, because clearly it's not just warming the planet. But this complex system... Um, is, uh, you know, we haven't factored in everything, and that's the, that's the point here. Or have we factored in everything? And how do we, and why haven't we factored in all the possible influences on this spiralic, ever-increasing, complex system that you're talking about? So. Yeah, there's a couple of things to unpack in what you said there. The first one is that often we have to isolate a certain part of a system or isolate a part, either, you know, look at a system yeah. in isolation from its surroundings in mm. order to be able to study it. Mm. You know, it's, it's just uh, too hard to try and study everything at once, obviously. Uh, and in isolating a system or regarding a system as being closed, uh, we have to take into account that there are, there are influences we're not looking at when we make those studies. And that's not to say the science isn't useful. It is useful. And we have to break things down, chunk things down in order to, to comprehend them and study them. Yes. Um, but we also need to take into account that when we do that, we are missing part of the picture because even if you stick something in like a closed glass container, in a laboratory so that it's supposedly a closed system it's mm. still subject to light coming in mm. it's still subject to human observation mm. and quantum mechanics shows us that human observation actually has an impact on whatever we're observing and i guess as soon as you put anything in a box you've changed it just because it's in a box for a start that's it, also a major influence maybe a major influence on the quality or the, what actually is happening to the thing inside the box that's right and you know for a lot of science this is not a particular particularly big issue no. but when we're talking about something as large and as complex as the planet's climate, it is a big issue, particularly because there are many influences to the climate which are extraterrestrial, Yes, like solar activity, space yes. weather, those sorts yes. of things, cosmic radiation. Hmm. So uh, th there's that. And um, then you've got to look at the human consciousness and ask yourself, okay, who are the people who are doing this examination and from what layer of human consciousness are they observing mm. you know if you think of each layer of human consciousness like a window mm. onto the world and a window that has a particular color and flavor and angle to it mm. uh, and there are changes going on in human consciousness right now that are shifting the way that we do science mm. and a lot of those changes are the result of a rejection of our old paradigm so we're talking in very general terms now about the the dominant global paradigm being the modern scientific industrial perspective yeah. and we're shifting from that to a very humanistic perspective and this is reflected in things like the fact that we're starting to call this era the anthropocentric era right uh, because it's human-centered and we're seeing everything from that human-centered perspective and so human values the human experience the emotions that we feel and express are becoming more important through that particular emerging perspective. And that is changing the way that we do science. Yeah. And I think we mentioned on the show last week that you know, one of the examples of that is a lot of media reports we see now are no longer saying, you know, the, the climate science is in because of this data and that data. They're saying the climate science is in because 97% of scientists agree, right? So they're... they're, they're Once upon a time, 97% of scientists agreed the earth was flat, I would right. imagine. Well, exactly. Mm. Uh, so um, it's important that we become aware of our own limitations in the way that we're doing science, in the way that we're considering these things, and just factor in that 
each perspective has its limits, even even our perspective, right? So uh, it's it's more important than ever to gather different perspectives, and that that's a big um, aspect of how human consciousness is changing at the moment. We're moving from a a sort of central viewpoint and looking at multiple options and then choosing the best option to a different way of interacting with the world, which involves moving around to different viewpoints yeah. and absorbing and understanding different perspectives on things. As you said last week, um, standing in um, in the moccasins, that was the phrase. The wisdom, wisdom, the wisdom of the, of the moccasins, moccasins standing right. in someone else's shoes and being yeah. able to do that, yeah. yeah. And of course, science itself, when considered closed, is not really science, is it? When you Well, well it's not. Yeah. I mean, science is an ongoing thing. Science never stops. Science you know, never stops. If science stopped, then we'd still be believing very old concepts about the world mm. and yes. the way we interact with it. But science is always ongoing, and, and that reflects our constant learning and expansion yeah. process. So we're going to look at a little bit, uh, a bit of a sketch of uh, the response to this particular issue through the different layers of consciousness, yeah? Yeah. Um, so you want to let's let's start with a couple of those before we take a bit of a break. Sure. I think uh, the first thing we might mention is just the fact that as we grow through different layers of consciousness, each layer brings its own perspective on the world. It brings uh, an underlying subconscious framework for making sense of reality. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like a decision that we make to shift from one layer to the next. It's an evolutionary dynamic, a developmental dynamic at an individual level where the most fundamental um, structures within our consciousness for making sense of our interaction with reality is shift and change. And they might, for example, take us from believing that the world is a jungle and you've got to fight to survive, which is typical of layer three, (laughs) to uh, layer four, where the world is a place where we can only get what we need and, and do what we need to do by following someone else's rules, a higher authority's rules, right? Yeah. Uh, and layer four, that transition from layer th- three to layer four gave rise to the major religions, for example, which gave us a set of rules to follow to live life in the right way. Yeah. Uh, and then the shift to layer five, the modern scientific industrial uh, perspective, changed that underlying framework again, where suddenly we started to believe that we could make the rules and we can make these discoveries that previously we thought we could only um, find out about from a higher authority, be it God or mm. a king or whoever, right? Mm. Um, and now we're shifting out of that modern scientific industrial perspective where we thought we could gather all the knowledge that we needed. We thought that we could uh, make our own rules. Mm. And uh, those ways of, of re- interacting with reality and, and living life are starting to break down because of the increasing complexity. Yeah. Again, and, and that, that is the driver. It's always the driver for change is increasing complexity in our environment, our yeah. life conditions. And of course, when we speak about these layers, which comes from Claire W. Graves' work that we refer to uh, all the time on this show, um, none of these layers are intrinsically right or wrong. No, the, each one themselves. reflects a human adaptation to a certain set of life conditions yes. and particularly the complexity of those life conditions. Yeah. And the more complex life becomes, the more expansive our perspective needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking future sense here on Bay FM. You're tuned to Bay FM 999 here on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and myself, Nick Jeans. 
and uh, we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff today. We're going to come to talking about climate change in particular, but interesting stories that pop up because we just mentioned before then, Steve, you were talking about how we interpret, how we receive our information that uh, we try and make sense of the world by. Yeah, these underlying frameworks, you know, mm. and they're, they're by definition not something that we can be conscious of because they sit in our subconscious, but they're ways that we put our sensory input together to help us make sense of reality. And as we move uh, developing through, as individuals through these different layers or, or evolving as a species over the, the long term through these different layers, then our, our way of interacting with reality changes and the things that we look for, uh, the, the pieces of the puzzle that we try and gather to put a picture together yeah. uh, change. And uh, I mentioned before that in layer four, we tend to always look for a higher authority. And we've come out of layer three, which is a fully wild way of living where mm. we're just living on our senses and instincts and emotions. And we're very much in the moment. We just do what we need to do in the moment. We don't think about cause and effect and that kind of thing. And mm. that, of course, works for a certain amount of time, like all of these different layers of consciousness do. But over time, it creates problems because we're basically living wild and, and uh, disorganized. And so... The, the evolutionary tension that arises uh, brings us to look for structure. And we swing from the individual side of the, the evolutionary spiral back to the communal side and we're looking for a set of rules. Okay, if, if that way of life is not working for me, I need to you know look for something more structured and hang on, something I can hang on to, a set of rules and those sorts of things and often that... Oh. And can, here comes Moses down that, from the mount right. with his and ten he's got, tablets. He's, he's got some uh, pieces of stone with some rules. Thank <laughs> some God. Rules. Thank, Thank God, God literally. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, there was an interesting article in the media this week yeah. um, that is a great example of that particular way of making sense of the world. Mm. And it's a report uh, on a website called Breaking Israel News. And, and uh, this has just happened to pop up uh, under our nose this week, this news article. And we're not particularly focusing on any particular religion here mm. um, but the report is a plague of locusts attacks Islam's holiest mosque in Mecca yes and it has some wonderful photos of locusts all over the all over the, uh, the square there the, the, the praying imam or whoever some is. poor chap in a white robe yeah. with locusts all over his robe um, I thought it was sort of fashion for a minute but no uh, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but this is a wonderful example of looking to a higher authority for signs of things to come. Yeah. You know, r rather than, for example, at, at the subsequent layer five, we'd be looking to find out for ourselves. Um, you know, by gathering pieces of, of uh, data. But here we are uh, in this article here interpreting a, uh, a, a plague of locusts. As one, a one of the five of final plagues, according to the Torah. Yeah. Um, boils, uh, boils, fiery hail. Locusts, darkness, and death of firstborn males sounds horrendous. Yeah. Uh, but this is actually, the, the fact is that many people on this planet, one way or the other, believe in these kind of... Uh, a surprisingly ideas, large, surprising large number large of people, number. actually, you know, more, mm. than, uh, more than you might think, are still living life according to the, the layer four principles. And it's a very interesting website. This it actually has... A, a menu item called End of Days. Where yes. You can go there and, and read about all the recent reports of what's happening in the world, mm. which are um, presented as evidence that the end of days are here. Mm. The, the religious eschaton of one of one type or another. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, for a lot of people, this particular way 
works well because their life conditions are such that it solves the problems they need to solve. And no doubt for some of those people, and this is not a criticism of those people because as we've been saying, the layer of, uh, of consciousness that they are responding to these realities, this is how they see things. So many of these same people are likely to, for example, see uh, climate change as a sign perhaps. Quite possibly, yeah. quite possibly. And it's important to remember too that uh, you know, many of us uh, listening to this show, and of course, you and I have grown through this yeah. stage. You know, I, I don't know if you can remember a time in your life where you grabbed hold of a set of rules to follow, and, and whose rules they were. Mm. Can, Somewhat, can for sure. Well, yeah. you know, well, probably, probably at school early, because I think I broke out of that fairly early overall. Right. But of course, there's always a tendency yeah. to fall back to to a, a sort of let's put it to a sort of tribal set of ways to be. Or ways you look, ways you speak, ways you act, and so forth. Yeah, so sure. Yeah, and there, you know, the this. Well, um, you're in the military, so you definitely. Well, I was. You know, that was mine. That was my <laughs> yeah, layer four that's experience. Right. Was yeah. was joining the military and living yes. according to that military code. Right? I think it was my my uh, college that I went to in Adelaide, the boys' college. That's a, that was a fairly strict. Uh, yeah. Structure and a, a religious, loosely religious college. And layer four being on the communal side of the spiral. Mm. Each of the communal layers has uh, a code that you have to conform to. And at the tribal layer two, it's the customs of the tribe. At layer four, it's the authority of instructions mm-hmm. on how to live. And then at layer six, which is our emerging layer globally at the moment, it's uh, agreed the agreed uh, way of, of being according to our peer group that, mm-hmm. that we're networked into. Which is a, a really lovely thing that we are coming together with the notion that we're seeking to bring our responses to the challenges of the planet at this time in group, in, in, uh, in tribe, in community, trying to sit down in, in a communal way and fashion responses to it uh, rather than uh, be sort of stuck in a, a more lonely individual place perhaps. That's However, right. it's also fraught with its own challenges to well, as course, is every layer, as is every, you know, layer. every layer has its blind spots to some yes, extent blind spots. Yeah, and limitations and you know through the, the benefit of research like uh, the work of Claire Graves we can look at these different mm. layers uh, you know many of them anyway and understand what the, those limitations might be which is a very beneficial thing mm. yeah. and uh, and as we were saying before you know when applied to the issue of climate science we can see that the layer six perspective which is extremely humanistic and anthropocentric um, it does flavour the way that we do science and the way that we uh, communicate science. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot to say here. Uh, um, we, you brought up an, an interesting phrase uh, yesterday. Well, to came up actually, my reality, the, the notion of the fear of extinction. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of species on the planet which are extinct or on endangered uh, lists or in in, uh, in likelihood of extinction. But at the same time, uh, this fear itself is a, is a very strong driver, isn't it? And the fear of extinction is very understandable at the moment. The Earth is yeah, in, it is. Is in, yeah. is in trouble, so, is in chaos. So in the first six layers of consciousness, which is referred to as the first tier of human consciousness, uh, fear is a consistent driver all the way through, and the fears change according to the layer, of course. Yeah. And it's very um, expectable. It's, it's very predictable that yeah. layer six with its focus, which is turning to a reconnection to nature mm. and taking notice of how we've been treating nature mm. and, and the planet, um, that it's going to look at that and see all of the, the damage and the impact that we've had during the scientific industrial era mm. and then become fearful about the future. Yeah. You know, how are we going to repair this? How are we going to survive as a species potentially? And, and that is 
uh, an acknowledged fear that arises during layer six is that the fear that we may not survive as a species. Yeah. We'd like to encourage you, however, just as an aside here, uh, to look at the extinction of fear rather than the fear of extinction. But that's just a little bit of an aside because it's perfectly natural that that we have this these fears, as you're saying, because they are a driver, aren't they, for change? How does that work? Huh? What's that look like in, in layer six in particular? Um, it's something that creates evolutionary tension. So you know, we talk a lot about this slingshot effect yep. that uh, takes place during the transition from one layer to the next layer. So whenever we go through a major change, and in fact, whenever any complex adaptive system goes through uh, a phase transition, that is a major, major change, then you will see this slingshot effect play out. And uh, that involves the gradual increase of evolutionary tension. And that means tension between where things need to be in order for, for there to be a balance mm. and uh, an adequate coping of the system and where things are at the moment. Mm. And the larger the gap between those things gets, the more tension there is for change, mm. right? Mm. Uh, and so you can sort of use the analogy of pulling back the elastic band on a slingshot and the further the elastic band stretches away from the slingshot, the mm. more tension there more is, tension. but also the more potential there is for mm. movement. As a, an old teacher, teacher of mine used to say, tension seeks resolution. Exactly. It's inevitable. Exactly, mm. it does. So just uh, take that example that you gave, this fear of extinction. You know, The more that we fear that we might not survive, then the more tension is created to drive action mm. to resolve you know, whatever it is that we see as a So the fear is not a bad thing, and yet it also can be crippling too in a way because you can possibly, in my view, you could potentially uh, ignore or, or not see some other information that may be contributing to a, a broader, deeper, expanding perception of what's going on. Yeah, fear is an essential uh, evolutionary signaling process. Yes. You know, nothing about human nature is essentially bad. You know, everything has a purpose. It's mm. just that you know we take different perspectives and we look at things from different perspectives, and then we you know maybe they look bad to us because of who we are and where we're looking from. Mm. But uh, fear is there for a reason. I mean, you know, I, I don't think evolution ever makes mistakes, although not everybody agrees with that. No. <laughs> As we said, we had a couple of communications, and thank you to those two people who communicated with us uh, this week about this issue of our uh, take on or sharing of different perspectives on the climate change debate. Um, and um, yeah, but one of the interesting things about one of those communications was there was a, a, a and I, I almost hesitate to say it, but a sort of casual accusation that we were sort of in the pocket of the of the coal industry or the fossil fuel industry somehow because we dared to mention the potential or the possibility in this complex system that we've been talking about that perhaps we're moving actually towards a mini ice age or certainly to elements of cooling. Let's look at um, some of the uh, some of the science regarding particular issues. I think you want to mention something to do with the oceans in particular. Yeah, two articles uh, taking quite different perspectives on ocean temperature popped up this week. Um, the first one, the headline is, Ocean Warming is Accelerating Faster Than Thought, New Research Finds. And it's talking about um, sea surface temperature measurements. And uh, indeed, the data, so it reports in the article, is showing that uh, sea surface temperature is rising. Uh, although there are, there are lots of um, different angles and perspectives on how sea surface temperature has been measured over time and whether it's really an accurate measure, but that's, mm. that's another discussion. And then in, the second article says, 
researchers find bottom of Pacific getting colder, yeah. possibly due to Little Ice Age, and they're referring to the last Little Ice Age there. And I, I think these two articles are a wonderful example of partial perspectives on a very large system. And when we're dealing with a system as large as the planet's climate, there's a lot to consider. Okay, yeah. And really more than any one climate scientist historically has been able to study. Yeah. And so this is why it's important for us to take a step backwards and look at all of the information available to us and start to integrate it all and create a more complex picture of the climate and get a deeper understanding of all the different factors that are uh, taking place. And and so the, the second article, this one about the bottom of the Pacific getting colder, is talking about a very long-term cycle which involves water circulating from the top of the ocean and down to the bottom of the oceans and temperatures changing. And it's, it's basically explaining that there's a very long-term uh, cycle where warming precedes cooling, which precedes warming. And so we're swapping between yeah. warming and cooling and warming and cooling. Yeah. Um, and um, it, it, it aligns with the ocean warming article uh, because the ocean warming article says the top of the ocean's warm, and that's true. Uh, but the, the ocean warming article doesn't take into account the fact that the bottom of the ocean is cold. In terms of just quickly, just as a, as a bigger picture, from your particular perspective um, right now with this particular debate, how or where we should be looking at for a broader perspective if, if those out there are willing to do so, yeah. to look at it from this bigger picture? Because as we said before, we're not talking here at all about... Uh, you know, supporting um, old industries to continue, we're actually looking at, well, what's actually the longer-term change, the longer-term shift in this and in everything on this planet at this time? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a really good uh, angle. Mm. And, it, you know, it's very, very important for us to understand what's happening with the climate because whether you believe in global warming or global cooling, it's looking like we're in for a big change, yeah. right? And we really need to be ready for whatever that change is going to be. Yeah. And some people are predicting that uh, the cold weather could cause major crop losses as early as two, 2024, yes. um, you know, which could have a massive impact on humanity. Uh, and, uh, and of course, people who are, who are uh, looking at the global warming angle and believing that are also predicting major changes which, which will impact us. So it's really important for us to sort this out. And um, one of the things that is taking place at the moment is that potentially quite different topics are being conflated into one discussion. Yes. And as you indicated before, um, they are things like... Uh, the, the burning of fossil fuels and the fossil fuel industry mm. is being lumped into the same bag as climate change. And therefore, uh, one of our listeners who, who wrote into the Byron Shai Echo uh, thought that because we were talking about global cooling that we were automatically pro-fossil fuel use. And we, even possibly, um, I'm sorry to say this, but you did suggest this if you are listening, uh, that we may actually be uh, somehow on, on the on the take of the... <laughs> Yeah, fuel yeah, actually, actually lobbying for the fossil yeah. fuel industry, that's a good, that's uh, good. which is simply not true. Mm. Um, so it's important to be able to pick apart these differences mm. and just discern that, okay, well, they're actually two different topics mm. and we are absolutely pro-clean energy production mm. and a shift from dirty energy to clean renewable energy. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Mm. So 
So that's one thing is just to, to you know start to be a little bit more discerning about what's being discussed and not fall into the, the group think of, or everybody's saying this, so I'm going to say this as well. But that's one of the tricky things about this transition from layer five, the modern scientific industrial perspective to layer six, which is this humanistic network centric perspective, is that when we're transitioning into layer six, our peer network becomes very important to us. And our personal angle on that is we want to be accepted and acknowledged and included in that peer group. And that's a very, very strong driver. Uh, and the ultimate driver within that, even the C of it, is this need for deep human connection. Yeah. Okay, And that becomes a major, major influence. And so there is considerable pressure for us to come to agreement with whatever the peer group you know, is believing at the time. And so that is one dynamic at play at the moment that may be shifted, um, moving some people to fall in line with whatever seems to be the agreed angle mm. on climate change. And with very good intention, I would hope too, because we are all deeply concerned about the state of the planet, of course, and uh, clearly we are on, on the verge of something. I think most people can feel it in one way or the other inside themselves. I'd certainly suggest that you look at yourself, and from my perspective anyway, as one person, to really look at how that manifests in you, your own personal perspective regards to your own inner journey, but also what's actually happening politically, what's actually happening environmentally, socially, all of these, all of these issues. Uh, and at the same time, of course, it's, uh, as you said, this this uh, need for layer six to come together to meet uh, like minds and like souls like beings and to sit in circle to do ceremony perhaps to share to to work on the self and try and bring yourself into a better alignment with things all of these things are very positive and wonderful expressions at this time for many people as we move into this area but it doesn't necessarily mean that someone else over there is wrong they're just different Different perspectives. Different perspectives. Another facet of this shift into layer six is that it's normal and natural for us to strongly reject the old paradigm. Yeah. And you can look back through history and see that every time we've made this a major shift to mm. a new paradigm, we've strongly rejected the old way, whatever it has been. You know. And so there's a tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There, uh, we've come through a very materialistic, you know, clinical scientific era, where uh, many of the um, aspects of human nature have been rejected for example you know the the our emotional experience our, our body's subtle energy fields all of those sorts of things yeah. which can't be measured by a dial in a laboratory yes. necessarily ha, have been minimized and and even outright rejected for the last few hundred years certainly since the industrial revolution so layer fives that's um, right and our, dominance as we grow into a more uh, sensitive um, experience of being human in layer six which has an expanded set of uh, perceptions then you know it's it's just natural that we look back at that old era and say we don't want to be like that anymore mm. uh, but we just have to be careful that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because what's happening with science is that we're moving away from hard scientific data kind of say and we're moving towards yeah. whatever our peer group uh, mm. agrees on right mm. and and that's often expressed in the 97 percent of scientists agree mm. that this is happening mm. uh, and so with the benefit of the research that we're always talking about we can actually see our own blind spots if we take the time to look yeah beautiful 
you're tuned to Future Sense. That's Steve McDonald and myself, Nick Jeans, here. And um, just to reiterate a couple of things. First of all, you can text in at any time, 0437 341 comes up on the screen here. Anything you'd like to contribute to or ask in this discussion. And as I said earlier on, too, you can follow us on Twitter at Future Sense Show. And also, we are a free podcast available on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You're resonating right now on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans. We are talking about uh, many things today, but particularly focused on climate change, the climate change debate, if you will. Um, and uh, we've been talking a lot about uh, the, the qualities of the different layers with regard to this and um, in terms of um, in layer five and the, the nature of the competitive consumerist capitalist structures in which we've been living for quite a long time, the, the notion of uh, reducing things, of compartmentalizing, of taking them apart, as you referred to earlier, Steve, in order to understand them as being the sort of the science uh, mode largely of that era and with great success. It's done some amazing things and it, continues it to has do so. Been, it's been a general approach, a general perspective uh, in the modern scientific industrial era and it, and it applies not just to science but to every discipline. If you look, we've gone very, very deep in very narrow areas of study. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter what discipline you look at, uh, certainly science is included. And that has uh, provided very, very deep specialisation, which is wonderful. And it's added to you know, the, the continuing accumulation of human mm. capacity that we've gone deep and specialised in these areas. If we hadn't done that, then we wouldn't have the knowledge mm. that we have today, which has produced a lot of the technology which has actually connected us together, which is driving the evolutionary tension to shift yeah. to, to higher on the evolutionary spiral. Uh, and so this uh, separation of things, the isolation of things, the specialisation and the reductionist thinking has been a, a key aspect of the modern scientific way uh, of being human, scientific mm. industrial way. And at the same time, as we move into layer six, uh, a different kind of science, as you've been alluding to, is on the table, is, is, uh, is available to us, a, a more uh, comprehensive and all-inclusive science. And perhaps one of the issues with uh, the climate uh, science debate is that it uh, does not sometimes include all the pieces that may be relevant. Yeah, it uh, because some of those pieces may sit outside the climate science discipline itself, and we're going to talk about a couple of those pieces now that uh, that may have an influence on uh, the way that climate is changing. And one of those came across uh, this week the fact that, and this is a scientific truth at the moment, truth is that Earth's magnet magnetic pole is on the move and fast. Now this happens quite a lot. We'll talk about that. But um, the Earth's magnetic field, as you would know, is what actually allows us to exist on the planet at all. It deflects harmful radiation. It keeps our water and atmosphere in place. But it is acting up. Um, according to science journal Nature, something strange is going on deep down below, and it is causing the magnetic North Pole to skitter. That's the, that's the word they use. I love the word. To skitter away from Canada towards Siberia. The magnetic pole is moving so quickly that it has forced the world's geomagnetism experts into a rare move. And that is that on January the 30th, coming up sh shortly, in fact, it's been delayed due to the US government shutdown. Good day, Donald. The World Magnetic Model, which governs modern navigation systems, is due to undergo an urgent update to accommodate this shift. The model is a vital component of systems ranging from geopositioning systems used to navigate ships through to smartphone trackers and maps. And the current model is expected to be valid until, until 2020, 
but the magnetic pole began to shift so quickly it was realized that in, in uh, 2018 that the model had to be fixed now. So uh, they realized it was so inaccurate that it was about to exceed the acceptable safe limits for navigational errors. So how does that factor in? And you're also going to talk about geothermal um, science as well there. Yeah, lot, lots is changing at the moment. And uh, as you said, traditionally climate science, uh, climate scientists don't look at a lot of these things. You know, they, they have a particular area of interest, uh, which is measuring temperatures and precipitation and uh, cycles, weather cycles and those sorts of things. And they don't tend to look at um, issues of astrophysics or uh, geothermal activity. Yeah. Um, and uh, all of these things are creating a very, very complex picture of change, and I'd suggest that they're all related in some way. They're all part of a shift that's going on globally and all also connected in some way to the shifts in human consciousness, although we haven't got the science to really explain their connections yet. Yeah. But you know, I'm starting to pick up possibilities, like, for example, the higher incidence of cosmic radiation uh, impacting the planet at the moment is being measured by people flying in uh, airline uh, aircraft up up at you know high altitudes, high 30, altitudes feet, yep. forty thousand feet. Yes, and I, I've seen experiments where they take up um, little test tubes full of water, and they're holding them up, and you can actually see the cosmic rays going through the water because they leave a trail of bubbles when Ooh, they impact. Sexy. And, and so you can't, I can't help but think about our heads, right, when we're <laughs> sitting up there in the plane uh, and the cosmic rays that might be uh, penetrating our scone and uh, leaving bubbles in our or brain. Or scode if you're British. That's right. Um, um, those sorts of things. I mean, uh, it's, it's unlikely that there's no impact on human yeah. consciousness from these things. And same thing with magnetic fields. Like, we know that we can shift human consciousness using magnetic fields. You know, there are experiments. There are. In fact, I had a piece here, it's not in front of me now, about some, some of the new technology regarding using magnetic fields to, uh, to um, minimize depression in people, for example, is a yeah. piece I think I sent to you. So, so all of these things are impacting us, mm. and they're quite likely impacting different people in different places on the planet in different ways. Mm. Um, so, and I, I've often thought, you know, over the years that I've been pondering human nature, I've often thought about why certain places on the planet are hotspots for violence, for example, yeah. like the Middle East, right? And yet, why are other places like here in Australia, thankfully, mm. uh, generally very, very peaceful by comparison? And uh, inevitably, there'll be some issue of life conditions, which yes. is, which is uh, you know, uh, the main fa driver. a factor in these differences. And, yeah. and it could be to do with radiation. It could be to do with magnetic anomalies. Mm. You know, the science on those sorts of things is really yet to be, to be mm. done. Um, Similarly, on things like 5G, we won't get into that debate now, but I'm yeah. certainly a bit suspicious of 5G for these very reasons. I don't think the science has really been done about the potential human effect there. No, it hasn't, you know, mm. and it can't really be done until they roll it out. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's existing. Paradox you know, paradox. I mean, it's, it's another uh, limitation of science where mm. you can do an isolated experiment in a, in a laboratory, but until you actually look at the entire system, and the way that all the elements of the system are going to respond to this change that's being introduced, you can't actually know exactly what's going to happen. Um, so in putting together a somewhat different and alternative picture of the climate trend at the moment, I've been looking well outside the traditional climate change boundaries yes. at astrophysics, at all of these other you know measurements that are being done on magnetic fields and geothermal changes. Cosmic and radiation, sort of yeah. sun activity. Yeah. yeah. 
and it's putting a picture together which is pointing towards something different than the mainstream yeah. story. Tell us about the geothermal activity because that's rather interesting underneath the Arctic and the Antarctic. Yeah, sure. So uh, I've got a, a couple of articles here which I will dig out. Uh, one of them is looking at um, basically the movement of uh, magma, liquid rock, yes. which is actually happening reasonably close to the surface of the Earth, both in the Arctic and the Antarctic. Also beneath North America, the fast-flowing Molten River um, is weakening the magnetic influence of the iron core beneath North America, according to uh, this article that I was talking about, the magnetic field. Yeah, right. Uh, and the, the articles that I've been uh, looking at um, are suggesting that this uh, movement of very, very hot liquid rock fairly yes. close under the, the Earth's crust is uh, at least in part impacting the, magnetic, the, yeah. the melting of ice at the, oh, okay. at the moment. Mm. Uh, so that, you know, that again, that's another factor that uh, most climate scientists wouldn't even be looking at. Mm. Uh, and so assumptions are being made about, you know, global uh, greenhouse gases and, and CO2 and those sorts of things causing these changes when, in fact, it's uh, probably not the full story. Yeah. It is true that the, uh, the the movement of the Earth's magnetic field has been actually um, doing weird stuff apparently for some 1,000 years. And again, these long cycles, these long time spans, perhaps uh, we're in an era now, this is my, me riffing a bit here, we're in an era of uh, taking in those longer cycles more readily. We're looking at those longer cycles as actually having an influence rather than a very yeah. short time span that we've done for quite a long time, I would argue, certainly the last few hundred years at least. And that dynamic was identified in Graves' research, yeah. he found that when we're in communally oriented layers of consciousness, we start to take a longer view. We always take a longer view, mm. and you can look back at traditional tribal people uh, who have stories which have been told orally for tens of thousands of years, and which sometimes can be verified by science. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then in the uh, in the sort of biblical authoritarian agricultural layer four era, again we were talking about long-term cycles and we were talking you know about biblical biblical stories which supposedly took place 2000 years ago or more um, you know as, as being relevant and useful uh, and here we are again moving out of the individually oriented short-term thinking scientific industrial era into the relativistic humanistic oriented layer six where again we're turning to long-term perspectives yeah. and with that also we make it to talk about this in a bit more fully as the rest of the show goes on uh, that change from the from competition to cooperation is yes. another aspect of that yeah yeah and again that's a natural dynamic that we find in the individual versus communal uh, layers of consciousness yeah. yeah thanks very much for your texts um <clears throat> thanks for your lovely words some of you and uh, some other points here which are um, a little hard to take on. We might take a couple of these others as we go forward. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate, and spiral up. You are tuned to BFM 999, and uh, we have uh, breaking news. If you happen to be going to Melbourne today, what's going on down there? If you're flying into Melbourne, watch out. We've just got a, a tweet hot off the press uh, from <laughs> Ross Hill in Melbourne who said hey, that... Ross. Inbound flights to Melbourne Airport are currently holding or diverting, and according to local media reports, the reason is a fire alarm going off at the control tower. It's that hot down there, that's for sure. Well, we were talking about um, the cooling 
of Europe recently. I mentioned the, the number of effects uh, going on in really across the whole of the continent of Europe at the moment, some of the coldest temperatures ever seen, snowbound, avalanches, people were unfortunately being killed and uh, some pretty dire situations there. Same thing has been in North America at different times. Um, and you've looking also at um, ocean currents and the movement of ocean currents as a another factor in this very complex equation, in this very complex adaptive system in which we are of uh, global climate. Yeah, so we're just trawling through a, a raft trawling. of uh, different issues. To, to which are, a fishing ocean analogy, we're trawling. All coming together, and one of them is um, the what's called the Global Ocean Conveyor or the Atlantic Conveyor, yes. which is a, a current of seawater. Mm which takes warm water from the tropics and this, we're talking about the surface of the ocean here, not the bottom yes. of the ocean, and moves it up into the, the northern mm. uh, hemisphere there. And uh, one of the things that's going on at the moment is that, um, as, as we know and is often reported, a lot of Arctic sea ice has been melting mm. uh, and this puts fresh water from the melting ice into the ocean. So the warm salty water in this conveyor moves up to the northern hemisphere. It's, yeah. It uh, assists, so to speak, in melting the ice, which is fresh water. That cooler, much colder fresh water comes into the ocean. Yeah, and it, not just the warm ocean water, but also the, the uh, warm uh, air temperature, mm. um, of course carries which, which of course is influenced by the warm ocean. Mm. And, uh, and so we're getting this uh, less dense fresh water dumped into the ocean and the the, uh, what normally happens is when this circulation is just uh, operating uh, business as usual, then the uh, as the water cools, uh, the salt water cools, it sinks down to the bottom of the ocean yeah. and then goes down to that area that they were probably... We're talking about the Atlantic here, but the previous story we mentioned was about the cold water at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean, so there's probably a similar kind of thing happening <laughs> there also. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it, it all sort of uh, goes merrily on its way, but what we've got happening at the moment is a whole bunch of uh, cold fresh water getting dumped into the ocean which means that the less dense water is less likely to sink and so it is uh, they are measuring the the uh, speed of this global ocean conveyor and they're saying that it's slowing down at the moment and they're they're putting putting it down to the fact that this fresh water is getting dumped in there so um, I'm reading an article here from uh, UCAR Center for Science and Education so it's a university website, and it's saying, paradoxically, this ocean circulation interference caused by global warming could lead to a cooling in Western Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they're saying that if the ocean, the global ocean conveyor were to stop completely, the average temperature of Northern Europe would cool 5 to 10 degrees Celsius, mm-hmm. which is an awful lot more than the, the global warming yeah, increase that everyone is worried about mm-hmm. in terms of temperature change. Uh, but it, even a slow down and, and not a complete stop could lead to a measurable cooling. And it may well be, we don't know, we're just speculating here, but it may well be that the cold weather we're seeing in the short term at the moment in Europe might be associated early, with yeah, early signs of the, that. Um, the ocean conveyor. Mm. But again, here's yet another angle coming from different science mm. uh, that's suggesting to us that, okay, things are going on here which could make it cooler for us all. And all of this information, folks, if you're interested and uh, you're contesting or you're disturbed by or you don't like some of the things that we don't agree with, fine, that's absolutely fine, of course, but um, do do the research. It certainly happened for me, always happening for me in this particular space of looking deeper into these issues. And um, We've also got some information which we haven't confirmed 
to that the uh, the fifth assessment of the International Planet, uh, Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, uh, neglected the natural climate change potential or the, the, the issue of natural climate change or how does that work as a factor in its uh, in its fifth assessment. We don't know if that's true or not. I've been trying to look it up, but it's a bit uh, hard to find uh, evidence of that one way or the other right now. Yeah, this is um, fresh information. I've been corresponding yep. with uh, someone on Twitter who goes by the name Grand Solar Minimum, and I, I'm pretty mm. sure that... Uh, this chap is behind the website grandsolarminimum.com so if you haven't heard that term before grand solar minimum it's talking about a particular aspect of the solar cycle which is going to take us to an unusually low um, level of activity on the sun and that's due to happen around about 2050 or 2052 in that region there I understand so we've got a couple of solar cycles to Play out before then. There's we're actually in a, in a solar minimum at the in moment. In a solar minimum here, you know, yes. in, in 2019, yeah. and uh, these cycles run roughly about 11 years. Yeah. Uh, so there's a couple of cycles to play out until we get to grand solar minimum. But uh, what certain measures are showing, and one of those measures is the thermosphere climate index, which is a relatively new measure that NASA have in place, which involves satellites measuring. The, um, the top of the atmosphere and temperature change up there. And it's showing a steady decrease in the upper atmosphere temperature, uh, which is creating a trend towards some kind of temperature minimum mm. in the future. That's and where the uh, Schumann resonance, uh, resonance also emanates from from the thermosphere, I believe, and the differential from the top and the, and the, the lower layers of the thermosphere create the Schumann resonance. Yeah, it's interesting because there have been some shifts in the Schumann resonance they over have. the last uh, year or two also yes. that the frequency is shifting. Mm. Um, so uh, on this website, grandsolarminimum.com, uh, he has a report which relates to the uh, IPCC climate change announcement made in 2013, saying that uh, the IPCC agreed that 98% of climate change drivers are being attributed to human contribution. And as a result of that decision that they made, factors involved in natural climate change are not included in the IPCC's theory and forecasts So this means that they are disregarding changes in solar activity, including electromagnetism and magnetism, geomagnetism, cosmic ray impact and low clouds, volcanic aerosols, cloud formation at varying altitudes and latitudes, climate and ocean circulation systems, water vapour and carbon dioxide consequent to global warming, uh, and instead focusing simply on the uh, assumed CO2 issue uh, being caused by human activity. So that is very alarming and uh, this information has literally only come to me during this radio show today so I I can't uh, unfortunately confirm or deny. And again uh, it's it's up to you out there, you listeners, to uh, determine what is true for you, what works for you and what uh, evidence you can can see that uh, brings a broader perspective. I guess that's the, the key to today's show is with regards to every issue and the future where we're going on this planet and the many challenges that we do uh, we do face here the broader perspective that we take really should be in my view uh, the, the the best option in order to take in as much information to get the the most uh, uh, intelligent response to things that are going on yeah and i also just want to uh, add as well that when we mention websites on mm. the show we don't 
imply that we endorse everything on a particular website. We don't have the time to go through and read everything on a website. Sometimes we find something that's interesting and worth mentioning on the show and we'll give out the, the website address, but please don't assume that we fully endorse and are getting paid by the owners of those websites. Because sometimes wish we, were. Uh, we, we had yeah, yeah, one, one of our I don't wish we were paying by them. Yeah. One of our I mean, complaints was inferring that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and again, it's, it's about empowerment. Um, you know, uh, we, in some sense or other, I'm just jumping to a broader perspective here. We we do need to encourage ourselves and each other to empower ourselves with our with our own research, our own intelligent and intuitive take on the way things are evolving and developing here on the planet. Things are moving fast. It's paradoxical. There's a lot of paradox. Hard to hold two things at once in in the palm of your hand. But sometimes it's good practice, in my view. It's sort of what's worked for me a lot. It's just to be able to hold. Uh, contesting points of view rather than uh, rage against one and uh, and claim the other as the as the ultimate truth that seems to be the dangerous place that we've fallen into on this planet in one way or the other for a very long time and part of the good news is that at the moment there's more than one consciousness shift going on so we often talk about this shift from the modern scientific scientific industrial to the humanistic uh, decentralized network centric kind of worldview but that's not the only story it's simply uh, the dominant global global paradigm is making that particular shift but there are people who are still living life according to most of the other layers on the whole spiral of human consciousness and who are also going through their own shifts from one layer to the next and there are also some of those people who are ahead of the pack so there are people who have already made this massive leaping consciousness from layer six to layer seven and some even further beyond that. Which means that there are certain people on the planet who are taking an integrative perspective on these issues mm. and are trying to move beyond the blind spots that we have, particularly in these first six layers of consciousness in the first tier. Mm. And we're doing our best to do this on this show, Future Sense, mm. to take an integrative approach where we look at all of the data that we have and we try and piece together all of these things, often in non-traditional ways that are going beyond the sort of standard practices of uh, the scientific industrial era to get a more complete picture and form a more integrated and complex understanding of what the hell is going on out there. Mm, very good. One of those movements that we've been talking about and we mentioned it earlier today is the movement from uh, the competitive era, the com- competition that we've seen dominate the planet for the last uh, few hundred years at least, in the fifth layer in particular, and cooperation, which is an, an emergent uh, quality that's, uh, that's, that's certainly growing amongst many of us now, this, this instinct to actually work together, to come together, and as Steve said earlier, to actually join together with your, with your tribe, with your peer group, and to find a, a connection there. And that uh, that movement between from competition or cooperation is really something that's even now in, in uh, ABC News. Well, not even now. ABC is fantastic, but a couple of days ago, a piece on this exact thing, which human instinct is stronger, competition or cooperation, and uh, a number of researchers uh, have uh, have looked at this and concluded not uh, categorically, but pretty much that competition actually is more of an inherent quality than competition. Now, of course, as Steve would probably say, that's depending on which uh, layer of consciousness you're operating from. Yeah, and this is typical of uh, a first-tier approach to studying human nature is there's an an underlying assumption that human nature is a fixed thing and we just have to discover what it is. Mm. But in fact, human nature is multifaceted and depending on which layer of consciousness a person is living life from, 
then human nature looks different and it can be either competitive or collaborative mm. depending on which layer of people are at and, and of course the communally oriented layers which are the odd numbered layers like tribal and authoritarian and relativistic the, the sixth layer uh, are um, collaborative yes well as this article says there's quite a lot here and you might like to have a look at this is by fiona pepper from ABC News on the Wednesday the 9th of uh, this month, a week or so ago, less than a week ago. Um, but one of the conclusions of this I, I think is really important is that uh, to let the sharing instinct, the cooperative instinct emerge, we have to trust that we're in a supportive environment. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. so there's your supportive network yeah. from Layer 6. Mm-hmm. So um, she's uh, very effectively tapped into this emerging a layer of human consciousness and uh, you know, testing the waters there and, and describing quite accurately what is going on. I mean, an earlier article from last year, middle of June, also from the ABC, uh, talking about um, how we're, on the, other, on the other hand, from ideas to borders, we're becoming scared to share and there's a lot at stake. And I think this is also interesting too that, you know, on one hand, uh, there's a, an issue with... Um, with overconsumption, overconnection, and then uh, there's also a global crisis of loneliness. Like in, in one sense, we're more connected, and yet on the other hand, it's arguably that we're we're lonelier and we're actually scared to meet each other. And there's a, there's a lot of these. I think there's another piece which is a bit too complex to look at today. That uh, again, I think our good friend Ross Hill sent us the other day about um, how we um, how we um, approach uh, the expression of. Uh, Actually, I'm not very clear on this. I won't come, I'll come back to that in a minute. Sure. Yeah. So what, this idea of um, being scared to share, of, of, uh, of not being able to uh, connect with each other, and yet clearly we're in a very connected world. It's an interesting paradox in itself. Uh, yeah, you know, my, my first guess would be that's probably somebody who's looking at the world from layer six and looking at uh, a world which is quite uh, markedly still in layer five in many respects. Mm. And seeing those layer five attributes, which are all about actually holding information in rather than sharing it, uh, because the the holding in and and ownership of information created power during that scientific industrial era. The more information you had and which you had solely uh, meant that you had an advantage over other people in, the, in a competitive sense. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a perspective on the old paradigm from the new paradigm. Yeah. Yeah. And which happens all the time. It does. <laughs> I, I've lost that particular, I've <laughs> lost that particular piece, you'll have to forgive me. Yeah, maybe I didn't have enough coffee this morning. Sometimes the complexity overwhelms us here in the studio, folks. <laughs> and it does, uh, yeah, it does. I think, um, I'm enjoying. I don't know. I mean, how are you responding out there to complexity in your life? Are you, uh, do you feel it's complex? Perhaps you don't. Perhaps you feel that life is very simple and easy. Good on you. Give us your secrets. Text in zero four three seven three four one double one nine. If you find that life is really simple and easy, give us your keys and your and your uh, give the keys to your your domain. Um, or is it complex? And if so, how so? It's um, it's rather an important part. For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking future sense here on Bay FM. 10.49 here on Future Sense with myself, Nick, and Steve over there. And I hope you've enjoyed the show. We've, uh, we've got so much stuff to share with you. We ran out of time so quickly. It's quite amazing. I did want to just very quickly add, and it's relevant to what we're talking about. Um, many of you uh, know or knew um, Dan Schreiber, Danny Schreiber. Uh, who said, uh, one of the many things he said, when we step into the role of planetary custodian, 
and through our harmonic choices and shared vision, we curate the living art of the earth. We fulfill our destiny and become an earth imagineer. And a website of Danny's work, of Dan Schreiber's work, is now up and available if you are interested. It's called earthimagineers.org, earthimagineers.org. And Danny, uh, we both knew quite well, quite an extraordinary being in his own right, that's for sure. And uh, God bless him wherever he's wherever he is right now. Um, conclusion for today, uh, we've, we've touched on so many things and yet there's so many other things to, to add to this debate and it's an ongoing thing which is why we're here every week. Today's conclusion is that the climate is changing and human consciousness is changing. Beautiful. And as we said before, you can uh, tune in on us, with us, to us, for us, through us uh, on Twitter at FutureSense Show and FutureSense Podcast is available free on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And also, we have a website now, absolutely brand new, and thanks again to Ross Hill. It's futuresense.it, futuresense.it. And as this year goes forward in this expanding and fast-changing world in, that we live in, we will be, uh, we will be expanding our, uh, our availability of the information that we're presenting to you, should it be useful to you. And I'm sure that if you're listening, it hopefully is. Haven't uh, answered a couple of these um, texts here, but I think we'll leave them for now. They're, they're well taken, and because uh, they sort of take us a little bit uh, too, a bit off topic, and we don't have the time. But thanks very much for your engagement, those of you who have communicated with us today. Um, you're down. We mentioned it last week, last week. You're down at a conference this week, um, down uh, Coffs Harbour. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, doing a couple of talks down there, one talk and a workshop down there with together with my colleague uh, Dr. Stephen Booth, yeah. who's coming up from Melbourne. Yes, looking forward to that. And that's uh, Illuminate. It's called Illuminate. Is the conference? Yeah. yeah, it's run by the folks who previously put together a conference about extraterrestrial life and the human afterlife, and mm. they've combined both of those topics and put together this conference, Illuminate, which is they're calling it a conference about consciousness in general. Yeah. Uh, as aspect of consciousness symposium it is called you can go to it on facebook there is a website too but illuminate aspects of consciousness symposium it's from this thursday through till saturday thursday friday saturday at uh, break three anuka beach beach resort you're going to be having a lovely time down there i'm planning on having a lovely oh, time sounds yeah. great i should come down but i don't think i can maybe i can drop down for a day you never know mm. might arrive on the spirit on the spur and the spirit of the moment. I think that's it for today. Anything else we can... I think yeah, that's yeah. it. There's always lots more, but maybe we'll save it till next week. We will. We'll tune in next week. And thanks. Um, bye-bye. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.